Greg and Josh are not paid critics. They are not experts, nor do they claim to be. They are just two nerds that love to talk about internet shows. However, they're still going to tell you about what they think. So sit down, relax, and enjoy the latest episode of All Queued Up. Hey folks, welcome to another episode of All Queued Up. I am your host, Greg Dietz, and with me always is my co-host and really good friend. I love this guy a lot. He doesn't need an introduction, but I'm giving him one anyway. Josh Fisher. Oh, hey everybody, and thank you for that lovely, wonderful, heartfelt introduction. I felt I like I needed to that. since last week I basically made fun of your leg and that felt wrong. So, Dude, I thought it was funny as shit. I really did. <laughs> and, <clears throat> I mean... The, my 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 reaction to it, I was just like, I'm going to play this off like it hurt my feelings. But yeah, well, I mean, it's successful because I felt bad. So <laughs> I, listened, I listened back to the episode and I was like, I think that sounded like I was an asshole. I'm not sure, but I feel like one. I thought it was funny as hell. <laughs> it, it, it's uh, it's it's a thing, you know. Um, you've heard me mention, you know, Nerd Rage Radio plug for for some people that I really dig, you know, my, <laughs> my, my pal, Bobby Skullface and, uh, his buddy, Adam, when they, when they broke the news on their show about what happened to me, Adam's like, did you ask him when it's too early to make a leg joke? Well, here's the thing. I was making leg jokes the day they cut my leg off. It doesn't bother me. And the, the, the great thing is, you know, uh, uh People that I am great friends with, like you, you can say just absolute harshest shit, and I will find it funny. So, if anybody out there was worried that he hurt my feelings, he did. Yay. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Guys, you know the rigmarole. We're a internet streaming podcast, or internet streaming review and discussion podcast. Um, uh, So, I'm just going to tell you what we're going to be reviewing this week. Or this episode. Why do I do? I do that because the other podcasts I do. Um, so the first show that we're going to talk about is Orange is the New Black season six. Specifically, we're also going to talk about past seasons because I, like an idiot, didn't keep up with the show after season three. So I had to watch four, five, and six. And I do want to bring up season five primarily because it's apparently the most contentious season. But other than that, we will discuss that a little bit. And we were going to talk about a show called Dark Tourist, but it has imagery and stuff that is uh, uh, a bit bothersome to Josh. Yeah. Um, I can't handle seeing, like, real-life dead bodies, things like that. It disturbs yeah, and me. There's, there's mummified <sighs> things in the show, because, like, that, the idea of the show is the guy goes to places that have um, uh, macabre, or macabre, I guess how you pronounce it, macabre, uh, uh, items. And so, in, in the opening of the show, it does show some of that, and Josh was like, nope, not for me, and I went, okay. We'd figure something else out. So what we figured out is we're actually going to do three stand-up specials because there were three that have been on Netflix in the past few months that are really popular. Uh, First being Ricky Gervais' Humanity. It's actually not super new, but it's also still super popular. Jim Jeffries' This Is Me Now, which is actually fairly new. I want to say within a week or so. Yeah, It, it came out July 17th, I think. There you go, yeah. And then super new, like, came out, what, like, less than, less than a week ago, which is... uh. Eliza Schlesinger. Schlesinger. Schlesinger, thank you. 
Eliza Schlesinger. Elder Elder Millennial. So we're going to talk about those three stand-up specials. Um, actually, I think we're going to start on the stand-up specials, and then we'll go into Orange is the New Black. So that's, oh, that's fine. That's fine. Hey, but do you mind if I tell them some of the big news before we do that? Absolutely. That's what I was getting to next. Oh, okay. Well, everybody, you know we've mentioned that we were trying to get a pre-order together for shirts. And you know what? Sometimes dealing with having to get a pre-order together when it comes time to collect everybody that was initially in on the pre-order may not be in the position to pay for the pre-order when it's time to collect on that so we are trying a different route where it's made to order and you can order it directly and we've updated it on our website i did right before the show you just go to allcueduppodcast.com and you'll notice on our website there is now a page for merchandise. And you can get all queued up merchandise now through this shop that we have set up on Redbubble. And there is a vast array of items. There are t-shirts, both men's and women's, tank tops, hoodies. There are wall clocks, coffee mugs, standard coffee mugs, tall mugs, travel mugs. There's wall art where you can get our logo on wall art, stationery, tote bags. You know, you name it. If they offer it, you can get it printed on there. So... If that's something you want to do, and we've heard a lot of you say, hey, I want to support the show, I want a shirt, go get a shirt. Get two, save on shipping, order one for you and your friend, or you and your significant other, you know? But we appreciate all the support, yeah, and, and we're really excited about this, and, uh, you know, we hope we hope that this is a successful venture, and all proceeds from any sales go directly into funding you know, our show, you know, and delivering our commitment to delivering better content to you guys, you know, exactly. going for going towards uh website hosting, uh, going towards, you know, other projects that we're going to have in the works. You know, we're really excited. We're coming up on our one year anniversary, not too long from now. It's, we've been doing this 10 months now and we've had some, we've had a lot of fun doing this and it's only going to go up from here. But yeah, I just wanted to plug um, that right fast. That's, no, it's, that's, I'm really happy that we finally have that shop. Like, I know that a few people have asked for products, so it's definitely available now. And uh, you can wear our stupid faces on your shirt, on your chest. Let's go ahead and get into the first show. So I think we'll start with Ricky Gervais' Humanity, since mm -hmm. it's the oldest of the three. Um, yeah. In this stand-up special, Ricky Gervais kind of just talks about things uh in his life and and what i think is fascinating i'm just going to dive right into it josh if you don't mind uh um, no, no. what i think is really fascinating about this entire special is that it's not coming from the perspective of somebody who is yeah what i think is really fascinating about this special primarily is that ricky gervais is not the kind of guy who uh is is down on his luck he he's not kind of living paycheck to paycheck still being a comedian he makes a lot of money. He's he's mm -hmm. a rich man. And he uses that for the sake of jokes, for the sake of comedy. He doesn't go to the extent of, of like, he talks about when he was poor, but he also makes it a point to the, that he is rich and that that's part of the joke. But I think yeah. the important thing, the thing that stands out the most to me in this special 
is he talks about jokes in general. He talks about comedy and how easily people are offended nowadays. Yes. He doesn't say that being offended is necessarily a bad thing. You can totally be offended. But the difference is, is that being offended, people make it personal. Yes, they and do. And that's, that's where the problem lies. And he talks about Twitter interactions and things like that, which I think are really clever. But it's also one of the funniest stand-up specials I've ever watched. I was like cry laughing the entire time. Well, maybe not entire time, but a lot of the time. Oh, there were some really solid, wonderfully hilarious jokes in that. that. Mm. Him not wanting kids, like that whole bit, fucking... Yeah. I, had to, I had to pause it and rewind it a couple times because I was laughing so hard. Like, when he, he did the whole miming a dead baby, that fucking... Oh, my God, that had me cracking up. Um, oh, yeah, yeah, he's like... And he's like... So if me and Jane had a kid, you know, and Jane's gone, baby dies, I'm going to have to text her. Well, baby's dead. <laughs> <laughs> it's just like casual. There it is. And, oh, God. just. And here's the thing. I don't think dead babies are funny. No, but jokes about dead, dead babies, are, babies are hilarious. Yeah, exactly. That's so, and that's that's one of the things he tries yeah. to say in this special. We are rapidly becoming a culture of highly oversensitive asswipes. Sorry, y'all. That's true. Suck it's, it's, it the fuck up. Not everything is about you, and just because somebody says something that you don't like doesn't give you the right to try to stop it. Yeah, that's I mean, that, that, that something I have said to people, uh, especially family members, about being offended by a joke or by comedy is that it's okay to be offended. It's okay to not like that joke. It's not okay to tell the person telling the joke that they can't tell that joke. So mm -hmm. he he t he tells this story towards the end of the special. Um, about uh, a Twitter interaction with a woman when he was trying to make another guy look like an idiot. Yes. And uh, in in the in the comment the guy made was that Jerky Jer was going to get raped by the devil, and he he uh, left it alone for a little while after retweeting it. Came back and the woman was like, "Do you find rape funny?" And he's just like, "Whoa, whoa, whoa, what?" <laughs> like it was yeah. this it was this weird like vol like uh, uh, vitriol reaction towards something that that wasn't necessarily related she just didn't find any kind of joke in general about rape funny you know he says he was like he was like no i don't find rape funny no one finds rape funny but if a, there's a joke that involves rape that's funny and i think that like even though he's making it in a comedic way he's saying it on stage in a funny way the point the point the entire point is that it seems like people want to make things personal nowadays that because of social media because of the the ability for everyone to have a soapbox it's super easy for 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 people to to go like well i once knew a person who was transgender so you can never make that kind of a joke which is one of his opening bits mm -hmm. uh or like which was fantastic and all yeah. it was eventually was just a bit about how the stereotypes of you know women are bad drivers. Yeah, it's it's and, a, it's a joke on the stereotype, and he was even he even said like, I, "Do I think dr women drivers are bad?" No, 
but it's a stereotype and I'm going to use it as a joke. It's Man, just, I think, just that, I think brilliantly that for, done. Oh yeah. Yeah. I think for a long time, people, at least it's, it's more in our face now. I mean, I, I know that those people existed. I mean, you look back at comedy back in the day and Lenny Bruce and um, fucking George Carlin were arrested for their comedy because people were mm -hmm. offended. Uh, you know, Andrew Dice Clay has had thousands of death threats. Uh, uh, Richard Stern has had thousands of death threats. Like, one of one of my favorite specials on Netflix right now by Anthony Jeselnik, Thoughts and Prayers. You know his his ending bit is about him. You know he's he's like after after making the shark joke about the guy in New Zealand, he got death threats and and his security guard was like, I'm worried that if you go out, something will happen. He was like, Look, if I get killed because of my comedy, I become a legend, and that's awesome. Mm -hmm. And then the guy was like, Well, we have a problem. Your family's now getting death threats. Your mom and dad and your siblings. And he was like, You can come after me. You can you can say to me that my comedy made you offended. You can tell me up and down until you're blue in the face that that you want to hurt me because of my comedy. But the second you come after my family, even better. Hilarious. Like, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> fucking yeah. hilarious. But the point that he makes is that when you are listening to a joke something not serious, and you take it seriously, there's a problem with you, not the person telling the joke. Plain exactly. and simple. And and this entire, uh, not the entire special, but a good portion of the special is basically about Ricky Gervais's like, experience with that, especially as of late, being the host of the Golden Globes mm -hmm. and just a more prominent face on TV and internet. I, I really love the story he told about his older brother that he closed with. Yes, yes, how, yes. How his older brother was kind of really the inspiration for his sense of humor uh, as well. Uh, like at their mother's funeral. Yep. He talks about how they weren't a religious family whatsoever growing up. And they're having the funeral and they had to talk to the vicar who was presiding over the funeral services. So his older brother is just like given f uh, the vicar's like, hey. I want to tell me about your mother. I want to say, you know, say a few things, you know, say some nice things about her. So his older brother is just like giving him tons of little false information, slipping bits by him. So the vicar's delivering all these moments and these supposed to be heartfelt moments about their mother's life. And he looks up and they're just everybody is just trying to stifle laughter under their breath because they know so much horse shit's coming out of this guy's mouth. And it was just really funny. And I was yeah. like, yep, that's my kind of people. Yeah, that, <laughs> that's just, that sounds like something I would do. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I, I still remember my, um, my aunt's wedding or wedding, a funeral. Uh, she died very young due to a car crash, unfortunately. But when we mm. went to her funeral and I was still pretty young, uh, I remember sitting in the like the the funeral house or where we the way we were doing the proceeding for the funeral itself. Um, there was a room just for family, like mm -hmm. off to the side, and we were sitting in there at the time that she passed away. Harold Smith's um, song from Armageddon, which I can't remember the title mm -hmm. of the song. Don't want to miss a thing. Don't want to miss a thing. Thank you. It was really popular, and it was my it was my aunt's current favorite song. So they were playing that song, and my my grandpa goes. Do they have to play the music so goddamn loud? And we all started busting up laughing. <laughs> um, and I'll and never forget that, that too. So, and and that that just brings home something to me. People deal with difficult situations in their own way. 
oh, I lost a leg. Everybody's like, I'm so sorry this happened to you. Why? Well, because. Because why? Because, oh, things are going to be a little more difficult for me now? I don't care. I'm alive. And I'm having fun making jokes about why I lost my leg. Somebody asked me, hey, oh, God, what happened? I was like, I got, I didn't step off the escalator in time. My foot got caught. <laughs> you know, that call back to the old Mallrats joke. You know, that yeah. kid is back on the escalator again. <laughs> I, I, I was, I was, I was the kid on the escalator in Mallrats. What can I say? You know, that's how I deal with things. I deal with things with comedy. Some of my comedy can be pretty dark, and that's okay if you don't like it. But don't take it personal. That's the whole message in this special. Don't take everything so personally. Because yeah, I, it's not I, about you. Right. Uh, one, of my, one of my big things in life is that my, my, my family, my mom's primary, my mom's Jesus, like I have two of them. My mom primarily, um, she has always been a source of like, don't take life too seriously kind of thing. Like when I, I've been, I've been a klutz growing up, so I constantly tripped and fell. And, and there mm-hmm. were moments where like I would just be walking up the stairs and trip and fall. And her reaction was always to crack a joke, make fun of me, or something to that effect. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of my clo- one of my close friends, who I've mentioned many times, Andy, he mm-hmm. um, he constantly makes jokes about me. Like we 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 rip on each other all the time. That's just how it is. And there are yeah. times where we'll be at a party and people will say like, "You're too mean, Andy. You're too mean." Well, when he was uh, helping my my folks, uh, like him and I were helping my folks get a new chair into the house. Uh, he stopped and talked to my folks for a little bit, and later that night we were hopping on video games, and he, you know, like he was talking about how he's like, if you guys ever think I'm too mean to Greg, you should hear his mom. Like <laughs> she rips him apart. She's yes, way she harsher does. than I am, and and I have to I have to explain to people because they don't get it that those insults that I get from my best friend from my mother aren't from a place of hate. They're from a no. place of comedy. They're from a place of love. And when you can look at life, when you can look at troubling situations and crack a joke, that to me shows you have a good personality. Yeah, um, yeah. If, if, if your family member goes through a rough thing and you can't laugh in the face of adversity, then that means that you're not going to enjoy a lot of things in life. So, and I feel like, that was the message of this special. That was a hundred percent the message of this special. Um, so uh, I think on that note, we should definitely uh, do our grades of it, Josh. Mm-hmm. Uh, why don't you ahead and, and uh, tear this one apart first? I don't know oh. why I said it like that. Get into tear this it one apart. <laughs> like like it's like tear it apart like it's a bag of Oreos. Mm, I'm not a big fan of Oreos. So what is wrong with you? <laughs> well, apparently lots of shit, but. You know, not liking Oreos is not one of those things. I got nine nine problems, and Oreos ain't one. I suppose. <laughs> uh, no, I give I give this an A. Um, I mean, Ricky Gervais is is a brilliant comedian. He's a very talented uh, writer and producer, and I love just anything that he is associated with. But however, I've I hate to say this, I've never watched The Office. I know I need to rectify that, 
But question, question about that. Have you have you never watched which which office have you never watched? Neither the British or the American version. If you watch the British one, it's like twelve episodes. I'm not joking. It's really short. I know. But but regardless, you know, I I, I love the things he does. Um this is an absolutely wonderful special and I love how he brings up the current Overly sensitive, everybody is but hurt and offended culture that is plaguing America today. And, you know, everybody is just like, take a step back and reassess what your priorities are. People get more upset over, like he said, a woman so upset when he posted about the a festival in China that they hold annually where they torture and mutilate dogs and then eat them. And the reason they do so is because they torture. Uh, the torture, they say, it uh, enhances the flavor of meat. And people are like, oh, but you eat cows and pigs. He's like, it's not about what they're eating. It's how they treat it and their reasoning for and their terrible yeah. cunts. And then the woman yeah, we don't, said, we don't, torture, we don't torture pigs and, and, well, I try not to eat meat that's tortured, but. Yeah, yeah. I mean, but the woman said, oh, my God, did you have to use such language? He's like, what? She's like, you said the C word. He said, here's the thing. If you're more offended by someone using a word than the actual act of what they're trying to bring awareness to, you're a cunt. Yeah. And that, I'm sorry. You know, that's also a word that's not used enough in America. It just isn't. The Brits and the Aussies, man, they've got it right. I mean, that's... Sorry. You guys are going to have to hear the word cunt maybe a couple of more times, because we're going to talk about Jim Jeffries soon. <laughs> I, I, I love the word cunt, because it's a, it's a nice curt word that just, like... It is. It has bite to it. Yeah. It's yeah. like Bark's root beer. <laughs> Um, I'm also going to give it an A. Um, I'd give it an A+, plus, but there's like there's a middle bit in this show that I was just like, all right, Ricky, we got to move on. I'm going <laughs> to keep talking about this one thing. Yeah. Uh, but other than that, it's it's a really, really fucking solid stand-up special. It's got a really solid beginning and a really solid end, mm-hmm. uh, both both hysterical. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it's just – it's definitely check it out if you haven't, especially if you have the kind of sense of humor that – you understand what we're talking about in the beginning of this. Um, mm-hmm. And if you've already watched it, let us know. I mean, we're going to be uh, having all four things on our uh, Facebook group. So definitely mm-hmm. like go in there and let us know what you thought of it if you watched it. But for us, we loved it. I mean, I, I agree with everything you said, Josh. Like, I don't have to reiterate because it's pretty much we're on par. We're on the same page. Mm-hmm. Um, that should have been evident by our review of it. Oh yeah. Um, so I'm gonna move on. We're gonna move on to the next one. Um, we're gonna talk about uh, Eliza, Elder I love, Millennial. I love Eliza Schlesinger. So she is so funny. There were moments in this that were funny, but for the most part, it was not that funny. Oh yeah. I think um I you know and I get that I do. I think a lot of the reasons why I find her funny. Her mannerisms and her, she is a very physical stand-up comedian. Very physical. And, you know, 
audible as well, the noises that she makes to just bring certain things to light and the different voices she does. I find her highly entertaining. But yeah, go ahead and... So I, the reason that it, it it didn't stand out as funny to me is that a lot of it was her talking about things that I feel like are typical comedian tropes. Um, talking about relationships and the difference between men and women and things like that that I've heard a thousand and one times mm -hmm. from stand-up specials that were around before I was even born. And to me, that doesn't – it doesn't exude a whole lot of originality to me. Mm -hmm. Like, don't get me wrong. Like, there were moments I laughed, like the whole peacock thing and doing the fucking – doing the bird noises. and Oh, God, yeah. Uh, a, few, a few moments like that. But the whole, like, dragon bit. God, that was so. <laughs> I, I did not find that funny at bit. all. I, I loved it because I've heard it before, Josh. Like that's my problem. Like maybe not in that exact fashion, but I've definitely heard that. You know, like oh, once once you men leave, we turn into monsters. Like I've I've heard it. It's not new to my ears or my brain, and it's not even heard it once. I've heard it multiple times. Oh, so it just, I agree. And it, to me, it wasn't. It wasn't. It wasn't original enough for me to laugh at it. And I think that was my biggest issue with this whole special is that her entire special was about relationship stuff. It was about finding a relationship and being in a relationship and and uh, dating and all that stuff. And it was, that's what her entire special was about. She did have tiny tangents, but they, and those tangents actually were the funniest parts of the whole thing. But the relationship stuff just – it was so on par. And I was like, I was like, you're not, you're not hitting holes in ones. You're, you're just, you're plateauing. And I couldn't find a whole lot of comedy in that. Mm. Um, I will say this though. I will say this. If a younger person were to watch that and they hadn't watched a whole lot of standard specials, A, they're going to fucking love it. And B, the message that she has in it is phenomenal. Well, this is true. This is true. Yeah. Her, her material is not so much original. It's how she presents it. You know, her presentation is what's original about the material, which to me is, I think, the best part of her show is her presentation. I, I really enjoy those things. The dragon bit just slayed me. <laughs> dragon slay. <laughs> nice. Well, you know, <laughs> I try. I try. It wasn't. Sometimes. Don't get me wrong. Sometimes the, the, I do get stumped with a pun. <laughs> don't get me wrong. The dragon bit isn't not funny it just wasn't funny to me because yeah. it i had heard it before and and me in exact not in exact fashion but i've heard it before um i've even seen it in a sketch so it's like it's not totally it, it, like again it's it's that was my problem with it was that it just it seems so what's the deal with airplane food-esque i, I get like, that mm -hmm. and you know it's it's difficult, and there is a huge field of stand-up comedians out there. Absolutely. And I think that female comedians have a much more difficult time finding a broader audience than male comedians do. You're absolutely correct on that. 100%. And, I, and I'm not saying this to be... Uh, it may sound horrible, but I think a lot of it has to do with the typical approaches to the things that they talk about. And not that it is not funny. Uh, a lot of those things are absolutely hilarious. But there aren't a lot of female comedians out there doing something new. Everybody always praises Amy Schumer 
Amy Schumer this, Amy Schumer that. Amy Schumer's not that damn funny. No, I think she her I think her stand up bits are yeah. She is absolutely not that funny. She's just a rude fucking bitch. Well, I mean, um, it's for me. I mean, like, not not her personally. Her on stage persona is. Yeah, yeah. She, well, I think I think for me, when it comes to comedians, the ones that I always find the funniest are the ones that go to those offensive places. So mm-hmm. one of my favorite female comedians is Sarah Silverman, and always oh, will be. Absolutely, she's wonderful. Uh, and I really like uh, uh, Michelle Wolf because mm-hmm. she really she pushes those... the stuff that she's been doing on her show. Yeah, um, but uh, uh, Eliza, she doesn't, she doesn't really push those boundaries too much, especially she with doesn't. her regular comedy. She she doesn't. But like I said, I find her entertaining because of her delivery and her antics and things like that. But she seems like a, just a genuinely nice and sweet person. She's not trying to be terribly offensive, you know that kind of thing. And it's a different a different take on things. You know, not entirely original like you were saying, but I, I find her delightful and funny, and I really enjoy all of her specials. I mean, she's got she's got she's got charm oozing out of her pores. Like, oh don't get God, me wrong. Yeah. Like, yeah, that's not uh, infection. That's charm. <laughs> <laughs> nice. It caught me off guard. I was like, mm, that's a good one. Uh, <laughs> uh, but it is just it, it was the, it's the. It's the nature of the comedy, the the jokes that she was using that I was like, and and that's uh, what's really funny, Josh, is that the the past comedy specials I watched of hers, I loved. Oh it's, yeah, it's like yeah. This one, this one just this one did didn't not. Speak to me. I, I I do agree with that. Her last three were all stronger than this one, but this one is by no means a bad one. It's just there really wasn't anything new that she brought to the table. I agree with that. Uh, but if you enjoy her as a comedian, then you'll enjoy this special. Yeah, let's um, let's go ahead and go go with the uh, grades, and I'll I'll just kind of throw this cool. one out first. Okay. Um, for message and the the theming of it, an A minus. For uh comedy, how much it made me laugh? That's a C minus. So we're going to meet in the middle and give it a B minus. Okay. Um I think uh with with charm, with delivery, with pacing, with timing, she's perfect. Yes. But the the subject matter that she was using just did not make me laugh. There was there was moments of it that were a slog for me and I could not like I had to do something else while watching it. Unfortunately, I I I was paying attention, but it just there was nothing that really made me stand out and and or that stood out to me. So Unfortunately, uh, I think if you are in the same mindset that I am, it it might be a pass. But I definitely think that somebody who is of a somewhat impressionable age, who doesn't really watch stand-up comedy, especially a young girl, definitely have her watch this. Mm-hmm. It's going to speak to her on volumes. So yeah. I think, to me, that's important. And so this special is important. But unfortunately, as a for for my for my personal taste you have to be minus okay well you know i'm gonna give it a b you know it's like you said she oozes charm uh her delivery and timing are just fantastic but you know some of the subject matter is repetitive but her message is strong uh i do find her to be absolutely delightful though but you know as i've said you know i did enjoy her prior specials more than i did this one 
but I didn't dislike it in any way, form, or fashion. It's a solid watch. It's a solid good hour of your time. I give it a B. Awesome. I mean, Eliza kicks ass. Yeah, she is. She is uh, out of my favorite female comics out there. You know, like you said, Sarah Silverman, Michelle Wolf. I'm gonna put Kathleen Madigan up there. Also, yeah. I really love her. Uh, you know, Eliza, and uh, I need to check out this new Australian comic, Nanette. I need to check that out. Uh, I'm not sure what her name is. I know there's a special, and she's from Australia, and it's called Nanette, and it's on Netflix. I need to check it out. But yeah, all right. So we're gonna talk about the last time special. Oh uh, yeah. We got, uh, uh, Jim Jeffries, this is me now. If you don't know who Jim Jeffries is, he's more—he's most famous for this bit that he did years ago on gun control. Mm-hmm. Um, that was off basically, of his. That was off of his special bear on Netflix that came out about four years yes. ago. Yes. Quite yeah, quite a while ago. Uh, but it it, it that that particular like ten minute stretch of sixteen minute stretch. Was it sixteen? Good God! Mm-hmm. Um, but that became a viral hit. Like he, his, his entire like demeanor and presence, and 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 the message that he was trying to get across with that whole set, with that with that bit, uh, was was just huge. And they um, actually teach it in colleges. Like there is a course I can't remember what course it was at Harvard that they use that bit in. Damn. Yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah, that's crazy. That well, bit I mean, has had a big impact. Oh yeah, absolutely. Because he, because there's truth behind it. Like it's not just funny. It's like it's it's honest, and mm-hmm. he he makes some really fucking valid points. Which that bit got me into knowing who Jim Jeffries is and really being a fan of his. Um, yeah. So I ended up watching Bear. I ended up watching Freedom, um, which Let's is see. fucking hilarious. I had already known who he was. I had actually seen uh, his special before Bear. It was the one that was on Netflix before Bear, though. So I had already uh, known who he was. Yeah, and I'm not sure. I've actually gone back and watched all of his stand-up specials, and they're all great. I, I mean, yeah, like uh, I, I mean, if there's a if there's a special before that, I'll I'll have to check it out because I didn't know there was. But but if yeah, if it weren't were for that that bit from you know four years ago, I wouldn't have. I probably would have, but the point is, is that's what got me, that's what introduced me to Jim Jeffries. And now he has a hilarious fucking Comedy Central show. Mm-hmm. But this, this bit, this stand-up bit, um, he basically was telling stories about his life, just in general, like, but, like, anecdotes, essentially. Um yeah. Fully Functional, which, that was the name. Oh, okay, Fully Functional, okay. Yeah. I, I've never seen that one. Um Oh, I'll run down his, his specials for you right fast. You need to watch them all. Contraband was his first one, and it's great. One of the best stories he's ever told on stage is in Contraband. Uh, I swear to God, uh, Alcoholocaust, then Fully Functional, Bear, Freedom, and now This Is Me Now. So, all of those must-watches. Oh, yeah, if they're all on Netflix, I'll definitely... No, only Bear, Freedom, and This Is Me Now are on Netflix. Fully Functional was, but it was uh, through a different production company, and Netflix doesn't have the rights to it anymore. Uh. Mm Ah. But Alcoholicost is on YouTube, Uh, so is Contraband, I think, and uh, I swear to God is on uh, Amazon Prime. Okay. Mm Mm-hmm. 
Um, all right, well, then I'll... I'll try to find fully functional and post a link to it to you. Okay. Anyway. Anyway, so this, so this, this, this bit is he's again much like with Ricky Gervais. He's a he's a more successful comedian now mm-hmm. than he was years ago, and so a lot of his anecdotes and stories are about him in his life now, and not so much how they were years ago. Mm-hmm. So one of my favorite stories that he tells is when he had to go to a to Mariah Carey's like birthday party for her husband oh, at the time. Oh my goodness! Yes. That whole story is absolutely like, and it's here's the thing about Jim Jeffries specials. It's really funny too because I laughed about as often as I did with Eliza's. But I think the difference with Jim Jeffries and her is that he's not going for laughs per minute; he's going for a big laugh at the end. Mm-hmm. He he has this long build up to a joke that really fucking punches and pays off. Yo, absolutely. And and I, I fucking adore that. So like the 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 whole story about like his him and his son getting food poisoning. Yeah. It was it was it was kind of funny throughout the whole thing. Not really and, like maybe chuckle worthy through like different parts of the story. But that last bit where his son comes out and just like, boy, we just had a rough night, huh, Dad? Like. <laughs> yeah. Oh man, and that's that's something new from Jim because. You've heard a couple of stories about his young son, Hank, over his past two specials, you know, yeah. but not a whole lot. This is something completely different. I mean, yeah, he's talked about how weird it is for him to be a parent, especially with his, you know, past uh, past love of just getting totally wasted. <laughs> yeah. uh, and now to hear him talk as a parent, it's it's an interesting new take. But yeah, that story was great. You know, here's his. You know, I guess Hank's probably about five years old now. Just that whole, I guess this is me now, that bit slayed me. Yeah, yeah. yeah that, there, there's a, uh, he, has a, he has a few jokes throughout the whole thing that uh, don't have as long of a payoff. Like, one of my favorite ones was uh, when he got diver- divorced from his wife. Yeah. People asked him, like, when, when, did you, when did you first know that you wanted a divorce? And he says... Um, it was about the time that I had bought a house about five houses down from mine. And she goes, why'd you buy another house? He goes, so you can live in it. Yeah. Um, like that. And she went skipping off happily, <laughs> you know, and that's the thing. Here's the thing. They don't have a bad relationship. They are friends. They just, you know, couldn't be with each other romantically. And, you know, I get that. A lot of these comedians. Yeah. A lot of these comedians talk about divorce, uh, in, in a specific way that, I really appreciate where it's it's less about uh, losing a loved one and more about changing a relationship. Mm-hmm. And he he kind of expresses that, yeah, uh, with with the divorce story. And so I really I really appreciated that because it's divorce should not be a situation where it's like the end of your life. It should be a new chapter in your life. Yeah. And, and I like how he so talked he kind of about that. I like how he talked about how you know they live on the same block. She's five doors down. She keeps the kid for a week. Then he keeps the kid for a week. You know, and that's cool. I don't like that, you know? Yeah, yeah. But, um, oh, man, he had some great bits in this, though. And I love how, you know, he talked about early on when he was... Uh, they recorded this in London. When he When he first moved to London, he lived in London for about 10 years, you know? And when he first moved there, uh, he was... 
I'm talking about how he had no money. And a lot of comedians, when they're coming up, they have no money and they're not doing it for the money. You know, I mean, obviously they want to make money, but, you know, you hear so many comedians talk about how they're living off of ramen and tuna and, you know, working clubs for 25 bucks a night and shit like that. He's talking about how this record label offered him a contract for five specials for 90,000 pounds. And he's like, you know, when you when you broke ninety thousand pounds is a lot of money. And he says, I was I was poor but famous. Poor and famous sucks dick. <laughs> but he talks about how after he got a few special in, uh, under his belt, HBO contacted him. And he's like, Oh, <laughs> oh okay, yeah. He's like, Hey, listen, I'm gonna go to America. They uh they said I'm do a special over there, and then I'll come back and do the other four for you. And it's like, oh, no, you can't do that, mate. You're under contract to us. Oh, that's a shame. And then he hopped on a plane and went to America and did the HBO special. And his record label sued him for breach of contract for 200,000 pounds, which is like 300,000 American dollars. But that's all right, because HBO paid him $50,000. So you gotta spend money to make money. Oh, I love that bit. It was so funny. But yeah, and now he doesn't have to worry about that, obviously. You know, he's really successful. He has some great bits, but I love Jim's yeah. delivery. How his act has always revolved around him telling stories about his life and the funny situations he finds them in. But something that he did in this special, just a lot like Ricky Gervais, is he did touch upon the outrage culture uh once again and how everybody gets so offended and so outraged and yeah you know yeah. it really is a problem you see it everywhere i mean look what happened to poor james gunn you know nobody takes into account james gunn when he sent those tweets out wasn't he working for trauma at the time he's kind of always been working for trauma like he's he's really yeah, good friends with but, uh, um the head of trauma what the hell's the guy's name uh why am I drawing a blank but, on his name? Oh my god, that's killing me. Because you draw a blank on everybody's names? I have his face uh, in my when head. Is, when, he, when is when is Lloyd Kaufman, dude? Thank you. I mean, Good god. When, when have you ever remembered a name? <laughs> but cuz yeah, I'm, sc I'm I mean, scatterbrained trying to think of multiple things at once and names just don't stick for some reason. But yeah, Lloyd yeah. Kaufman. Lloyd Kaufman has made an entire career off making offensive comedy, or just making exactly. offensive content. And James Gunn came from that. Disney knew about those tweets. Like we don't have to yeah. get too much into that. But if you want to know where we stand, we stand with James Gunn. We stand with the cast of Guardians of the Galaxy. Fucking lutely, abso fucking lutely. And it's like, like Ricky Gervais was talking about, like Jim Jeffries was talking about, the outrage culture. You look at the time those tweets were sent, where he was working for, you know, he was working with Troma. This was tweets nine, ten years ago. Look at the, also the type of comedy that was popular in that era. Everybody wanted to be the next Dane fucking Cook. You know, because Which is saying awful. horrible. Yeah, yeah. I mean, come on. Set the bar a little fucking higher. Really. <laughs> Do you want to pronounce words like this? Because that's comedy. No, not at Sorry. all. Sorry. Fucking yeah, on Dane yeah. Cook. Well, because it's easy to do. Yeah, it's loving and fruit, so we'll move on. But anyway, 
the whole point of two out of three of these stand-up specials is, A, get your head out of your ass. Don't take it personal. It's not about you. Stop being outraged at tiny little things that you find offensive. If you want to be outraged, be outraged over terrible shit going on in the world. Yeah. Yeah. And do something about it. So let's go into a grade, huh? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, this episode's gonna run a little long. Uh, just, just, I mean, you already see the time on it, the timestamp. Yeah, so there's yeah. That, I mean, it's. I, I say that well, with with them full on knowing, like they they up like they they download the podcast or they they start to play it on one of the platforms we have, and they know how long it is. Like they've already they've already committed to that. However long we've made it, anyway. So, uh, uh, real brief, it's an it's a, it's an A. It's a solid A. Um, Absolutely. I, th- I think uh, uh, when Jim gets a little too, too like heavy handed with certain moments, there oh, are like the docking. Yeah, like it gets it gets like it's like <laughs> it's like it's funny. It's funny, but but we we got we got other stuff, Jim. Like you, you, come on. But I mean, that's the nature of his comedy. Like he tells stories. That's that's the whole like yeah. the whole ending bit about the celebrity party. That is that is the whole point of that. Um, mm-hmm. But that being said. Fucking love the special. Thought it was absolutely hilarious. Um, and uh, um, I, I highly, highly recommend it, especially if you are on the same page with us about like comedy that is offensive, but offensive for a point, offensive for a reason. Like it's not just a guy walking on stage going cut and then walking off. It's it's there's a reason he said that. <laughs> uh, so uh, well, one he's Australian, so you know that is one of the popular. It's it's a verb there. It's yeah, it's not it's not as offensive in in Australia or or, or England as or it is an here. Ad, it's an adjective. Yeah, it's Sorry. no different than shit or bitch here. Um, or fuck. Or fuck. Yeah. Uh. Anyway, point is, watch it. It gets an A from me. Also, an A from me. Uh, Jim Jeffries is my favorite stand-up comedian. Just flat out, bar none. I love Jim. I've loved all of his specials. This one is no different. I absolutely loved it. I thought this one was a tad on the tamer side. It's not that he's lost his edge. I think his comedy has matured. It's still hilarious. It's just not quite as offensive as it used to be. But that is not a bad thing in any way, form, or fashion. Uh, This special is absolutely an A. All of his specials are outstanding. I'll send you links to them. You'll like them. But yeah, yeah, yeah. guys, check it out. It's good. I was going to say, you know, talking about people getting upset, people getting offended. And I say, you know, stop getting offended over trivial things. If you're outraged about something or if you want to help somebody in any way, form or fashion, do something about it. Well, you know, I'm sure somebody's like, oh, why don't you do something? Well, here's the thing. I am doing something to help people. Uh, Starting Monday, August 13th, I am holding a charity event on my Twitch channel. Uh, There will be a link in the description. But it is uh, what I'm participating in is called the Four Job Fiesta. I will be playing Final Fantasy V, which was released in Japan only in the 90s until it was released uh, on the Super Nintendo, until it was released uh, on the PlayStation in America uh, in 99, 2000, somewhere around there. But wasn't it released as Final Fantasy II? No, no, it was never released in America until the PlayStation 1. Uh, Final Fantasy 2 was actually 4 in Japan, and Final Fantasy 3 in America was actually 6 in Japan. So this is the one that fell in between those. What what this fell one, here in America it, as Final Fantasy? The original. 
So so we got one. We got one. We got one, three, or we got one, four, and six as one, two, and three. Okay, okay. I always get that confused. Which was very confusing to people because when seven hit here in America, it's like, but we've only had three. Yeah. You know, it was actually seven. <laughs> they just, uh, Final Fantasy V, the four job fiesta, it was the first Final Fantasy game that introduced the job class system. So the idea is you have to play through the game from start to finish using only four jobs that are assigned to you by a random Twitter uh, bot. By a Twitter bot, they're randomly assigned. Once you get to a point where you unlock a job, you, you know, click unlock job, the the bot tweets at you what new random job you've been assigned. So it can be an easy playthrough or it can be a very difficult playthrough. I played through it last year. As I said, this isn't a char- this is a charity event. Uh it's for child's play charity. And that is a charity that I absolutely believe in because what child's play does is and I can speak on this because if you've ever been in the hospital for any amount of time, you're miserable. Child's Play focuses and specializes with children's hospitals. They take the money that is donated to them. They buy video game consoles, controllers, accessories, games, uh, construction sets like Lego sets, magazines, books, stuffed animals, learning and educational toys, anything that can be donated to a hospital, specifically children's hospitals. Anything to make a child stay a little less agonizing. Like like we've said, I lost my leg this year. Back in May, I was in the hospital for eight days. Do you know how much I wished that Child's Play had donated a console to that hospital? Because I absolutely would have had something to do instead of lying there in a bed for 24 hours a day for eight days, going out of my mind eating terrible food. So imagine as a kid... How terrible it is for a kid to be stuck in a place where they can't go outside and they play and they feel terrible and there's nothing for them to do. Child's play gives them something to do. So Monday, the 13th, starting at probably 4 p.m. because I do have a doctor's appointment with wound care at 2. So probably at 4, I'm going to be going live with that daily on my Twitch channel, Monday through Friday, for about four or five hours a day until about 8 p.m. roughly each evening, uh, playing through it. And it'll probably take a couple of weeks to get through, because last year it took me nine sessions on stream. So I'm probably going to have that same amount of time. So it'll probably run about two weeks. I have until the end of the month. But I'm going to be doing that, and I have a donation link set up directly to Child's Play on my Twitch channel. My goal is to raise $200 this year. Last year was my first ever event. I raised $100. Or I, I wanted to raise one hundred dollars. I raised one hundred three, thirty-two. So I succeeded. This year I want to double that. I want to raise two hundred bucks. And you know what? Yeah, it's a drop in the bucket. The whole event, you know, last year raised almost twenty thousand dollars. We want to surpass that this year. We want to hit twenty-five thousand if possible. I want to do my part to that because that's a lot of money that can help a lot of kids. You know, make their stays a little less terrible. Yeah, I mental health. Mental health is a very important thing, and it's something I believe in. 
So uh, yeah, uh, just to throw my little two cents in there, like the child's play charity has always been something very important to me. Just for exactly what Josh said, you know, your your childhood was about to your uh, games and toys and having fun, and these kids aren't having that. So, um, and I know that last year, the year before, I don't remember what year, uh, they got like two million dollars worth of toys and games into children's mm-hmm. hospitals. So yeah, over the past over their existence, they've donated over forty million dollars. Hot, um, good God. I didn't know that. Yes, yes. And founded started up by the guys that run Penny Arcade, so. Yeah. You know, from the video gaming community. Yep. So that's a great thing. And one thing, you know, as donation incentives, it's like, oh, well, why should I donate? You know what? My friend Genocide Squirrel, he's the one that drew our artwork, our, our avatars of Greg and I. He's drawn two pieces of original Final Fantasy-themed artwork. I'm not going to tell you what they are. You gotta see them. I've seen the one completed. He inked the one last night, and he still has to color it. But the first one he's done is brilliant. It is beautiful. And his wife McKay, she's making a couple of plushies. I'm also going to be giving away a copy of the game, a digital copy of the game. So there's going to be at least five raffle prizes: original artwork, original handcrafted Final Fantasy themed plushies. So those are going to be donation incentives. And you know, I'll have a link to my Twitch channel. Yes, drop in, hang out. It's live, and you can help some kids in the process. Sorry, I mean, that, that, I just wanted to talk about that because it is a very important thing for me. Because oh, I didn't it, know if I was going to be able to do it this year because of my own medical situation. But you know what? I got through my medical situation. Now let me help get some kids through their medical situations. There's, there's, there's the uh, twist, flop. Face? I don't know. There's a word there that I'm not thinking of. Anyway, so this podcast has been going cl- close to an hour now, so we should probably hit up the last topic. Yeah, it's fine. It's yeah. fine. We a I lot knew, of a lot of announcements this week. Uh, this episode. You well, know, I was going to say uh, I knew that the three Sam specials were going to go longer than ten minutes a pop, so there was that. But whatever, whatever's clever. Um, at least they know that when we start talking about uh, Orange is the New Black, they just have to hit an hour. <laughs> yeah. Um, convenient. Anyway, so, Orange New Black. So we're going to be talking about Season 6 here in a minute, but I kind of want to talk about 4 and 5 a little bit. I want to brush up on them because, like I said, I stopped watching it after Season 3. If you haven't watched the show, it's simple. It's a dramedy, drama comedy, that takes place within a minimum security women's prison. Mm-hmm. A lot of the stories and situations that evolved are either dramatic or funny or both. Mm-hmm. And uh, what makes the show stand out above any other show, especially on Netflix, is the writing is stellar, the acting is stellar, and the directing. The casting. Casting is the, perfect. The casting is amazing. Yeah. This is This is one show that when I first heard of it, I was like, oh, everybody's raving about this show. I'll check it out. Yeah, and the exactly show the now thing. is dramatically different from the show then. Well, and it this has show to be like... Has gr- it's grown so much. For me, I think that's what's important for a good show is mm-hmm. proper character growth, proper mm-hmm. plot growth. Um, mm-hmm. That's That's what I want to briefly touch on, is when I stopped watching it after season three... By the point season three hit, nothing had really changed too drastically. There were character developments and character changes and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, 
but nothing too too like too much. But because and of the events at the end of season three, that started you, this change. Yep, and the really the thing that the catalyst for season six is the fallout from what occurred in during yeah, season was, four and there, season five direct results. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so season four basically is about how because at the end of season three they there's a small escape where they go to a river and they have fun in the river and then they're all brought back in the prison but because the guards kind of didn't give a shit because they were like their pay was shitty or what i don't remember exactly they went on strike they they said you know what you're not paying us the the union uh they were trying to form a union and you know the union didn't happen they all went on strike. Right, they right. Said. They, they just walked out. Uh, there was a hole in the fence, and nobody escaped. They just all went to the lake to swim and have fun and just That's feel like was. human beings for a change. That's why I said minor escape, because it is technically yeah. an escape, but it's not. Technically, it is, because they're beyond the boundaries, but um, nobody yeah, well, ran when away. They, when, yeah, when the government and the MCC look at it, they're going to see it as a as an escape. Mass breakout. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and that's the thing. They also, the prison didn't have the budget anymore. It was no longer a government-run prison. It was sold to a private contractor in MCC. So that's what Season 4 was all about. And they were bringing in inept replacement guards with inadequate training. And they were terrible. A lot of them were terrible or negligent. And as a result, during a a confrontation in the cafeteria, at the end of season four, a beloved character died. Yeah, this 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 hit me like a ton of bricks. I I legitimately I remember the moment that it happened, and mm-hmm. the episode ended, and it was Tasty laying next to Pusey and 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 just bawling. And I was like, she's not dead. She's not oh, actually dead. God. She's not. She's not actually no. dead. She just she's just knocked out. Like the wind got knocked over, right? Like she's not actually dead. I actually started going through that process in my head, like the grieving process, right? Mm-hmm. And and the next episode starts, and I was like, they're gonna reveal that she's not dead, right? And then there was like the shot of her still laying in the fucking cafeteria with a blanket over, her, and I was like, she's dead. Like that fucking what the fuck? Mm-hmm. Like that really sucked. Like what the fuck? Yeah, and- because she was just. That's the thing about a well-written character. You know, you absolutely loved her character, and well, she a, was there, like, go ahead. There was another thing the show did that was so brilliant about her death mm-hmm. throughout the entire show sorry in general the show they do flashbacks of what these people were doing prior to the events that take place within that episode or the season mm-hmm. or whatever specifically the episode uh mm-hmm. for example one of the one of the women like was helping her mother with sewing stuff to sell and then in the episode, like, they all get new jobs. This is in season three. And that job happens to be sewing panties. And so it was kind of like this whole, like, it... it oh, yeah. Full Flocka. circle sort of thing. Yeah. <laughs> Flocka, yeah, thank you. So so throughout all of season four, that was a thing. Like, if there was something that that character was going to do that related to something in their history, we got to see that history. They mm-hmm. never did that with Pusey. So when the episode that she dies, it's a complete fucking shock. Like, you're not yeah. expecting it at all. And then the following episode, which was the season finale, mm-hmm. they show her they, sh- they show her history. 
It's about yeah. it's the episode's about her history. And I was like, you fucking clever dicks. <laughs> yeah. It was very, very well done. And the fallout from that is, you know, these inept guards the, and some of them were downright cruel. Uh some of them were just inept like the the guard that killed her. He didn't do it. He didn't mean to do it. It's not like he grabbed her and manhandled her and, you know, killed her deliberately. He was trying to restrain her, trying to defuse the situation, and she wasn't even doing anything. That was what was crazy. She wasn't being violent. She wasn't acting out. She was just speaking her opinion. That's the kind of person that she was. And he's got her pinned to the floor, and he's got his knee pressed up on her spine and all of his body weight on top of her, and she was a little girl. And this happened after the whole um, I can't breathe situation. Which yeah, I didn't. Girl. I didn't realize that because I, I was gonna watch yeah. the season late. Yeah, yeah, and she actually says, "I can't," and she yeah. just suffocates, and it's so sad, you know, because well, she was such a bright character, and you see just the light go from her eyes. Essentially, yeah, as yeah, cliche as that sounds. One of the clever things about that too is that, you know, that that police officer that was on trial at that time, and I think recently got off, was he in no way, shape, or form intended to kill that, that, that man. Absolutely. Um, Absolutely. I mean, that's the thing. This, this show, one of the things it does very well brings to light things that are actually happening. So that are actually happening socially. So people can have a conversation about it because, Hey, this is kind of a preachy episode of all queued up. The only way things are going to get better is if we have discussions yeah, Sometimes absolutely. those discussions aren't going to be the most comfortable discussions, but they are discussions that need to be had nonetheless. Yeah, How do absolutely. you do that? Well, you know, go outside your comfort zone and try to see things from other people's perspectives. You right. Know. Like uh, one of one of the harshest things to watch in this show was that that particular corrections officer, I think is what they're called. Yeah. Um, CEOs, correctional officers. Yeah. His his journey then took a really dark path because mm-hmm. he he didn't know to handle he didn't know how to handle this information he didn't know how to handle the fact that he accidentally killed a woman he he didn't know what to do and there were moments where he he tried to do new things he tried to go do different things and it just never it never panned out it never worked for him he he went and tried to apologize to the father and it didn't work he he tried to kill himself a couple times and he couldn't do that right he threw himself in jail, and that didn't work. Nothing seemed to work. I, I think it was important to show that. I think it was important to show that because could you imagine the life of that officer that accidentally killed that man um, when with the whole I can't, you know, I can't breathe situation? Like, I, I have to imagine that he went through a similar rough patch in his life. Um, man, there, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm just going to say this. There is nothing more soul-crushing than the feeling that you are responsible for someone not being alive. Living with that that amount of guilt or self-perceived guilt, whether it's actual guilt or not, that type of feeling is one of the worst things that anybody could go through, and I would never wish that feeling on anyone. So absolutely, you know, imagining how difficult it is for somebody, it's, it's ugh, 
terrible. And this show but, did a wonderful job in portraying that. Yeah, and, and and on the other side, on the on the other side of that coin, I a hundred percent was on Tasty's side. You know, wanting mm-hmm. justice for Pousset. She wanted she wanted her death to not have been in vain. And so it was just like that's what the show does so well, especially mm-hmm. in season five, was it 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 yeah, season five was all about the riot and all that shit, but Tasty's yeah. story about her using the riot as a way to push Bring for change. Mm-hmm. I was a hundred percent on her side. Um, Absolutely. And, so and it's just, it's, so just to touch on season five, I'm sorry. Uh, just to touch on season five right fast at the very end of season four, you know, all the prisoners are angry. One of the guards, these replacement guards actually smuggled in a handgun. And he was a fucking sociopath. He was, yeah, he was a sociopath. I mean, he made inmates fight. You know, his actions led to the death of a second inmate that we didn't find out until season six. But yeah, at the uh, at the end of season four, you know, Daya gets the handgun, and Maria coaxes her and goads her. She's like, "Do it, do it, do it!" And Daya shoots this guy in the leg. Well, it strikes an artery, and boom, lockdown. You know, now there's a riot going on in this prison. And season five, it spans three days during this riot. And it the way it ended set up season six and the way it ended completely changed the entire show. Yeah, that's I think that's that's the important thing to keep in mind is that like we were talking about how the show changes and evolves to be a different show each season. Uh, that really starts with season four with the bad guards and then the death of Pusey that leads into the riot. And the riot is so different from everything you've seen on the show to this point. Mm-hmm. It is it is a drastic change. And I think that that's why it's arguably the most contentious season is because it was different. And and, mm-hmm. and we all know that people get scared of change and shit like that. But when you mm-hmm. watch the show from this perspective of this was the natural progression of things it's it's a really fucking solid season and a lot that happens is really important um especially with characters development and and how they change and there's a lot of change with these characters too a lot of a lot of shifts and, and adjustments like you stop calling Suzanne crazy eyes like you, yeah. you just in your brain like that shifts that changes cuz you you feel bad for her but at the same time you want to see where she goes with her journey and mm-hmm. um uh and that is on also that note, on that note. That actress, fucking yeah. phenomenal! Like, good lord! Oh, like, absolutely, she's brilliant. Uh, you know, that's that's something that I, I have to say. This show does so so well. You know, most all of these women, they're in. You know, they start out in the minimum security women's correctional facility. Um, most all of them are in there for minor offenses. Yep. You or, know, they didn't do. Terrible, horrible things, most of them. They were in bad situations due to whatever. And they are written, you can see both, um, you can be sympathetic to their plot. But at the same time, you also realize, okay, some of these people are really, really bad. You know, and well, you don't I... see really bad until, until, you know, this season you find out, oh, okay, there's a lot worse. You know, yeah. Some of them they get in there and they're like, Okay, you gotta you gotta you can't do it on your own, you've gotta get with a group. You gotta you know, you can't go against this group and that group. 
and they kind of broke that well, down and broke clicks, away yeah. from that. Yeah, they kind of broke that down, broke away from that, and a lot of these women became genuine friends. Yeah, I, I you know one of one of the uh, major one of my favorite subplots, I should say, with season five and six primarily. And again, you're gonna hate me, but uh, the biker girl, the the older lady, she's been in oh, prison. Oh, Frida. Frida. Frida, thank you. Good, yeah. Uh, Frida's <laughs> Frida's entire plot, um, you know, being being from a, a perspective of her committing murders and being in Supermax, and then kind of manipulating the system to go into minimum, mm-hmm. and then like her going back to Max was such a fantastic like story for me to enjoy. Mm-hmm. And I, I I I can't wait to see where that goes further. Um, oh yeah. Another big thing for me about the show that I think is important to keep in mind. I really, really can't stand Piper and Alex's storyline. It is the most boring and vanilla of the entire show. I understand that. And I don't, I don't hate it. It's not my favorite thing, but I do admit, you know, spoiler alert, they have a prison wedding at the end of season six. And that did make, that did bring a smile to my face. It brought a smile to my face because other characters were there that I like more. Yeah, um, yeah. That's but I'm true. sorry, dude. Like, their story is so boring. Um, yeah. Like, in just in general, like, I saw a tweet that made me laugh, which was, hey, Netflix, we have a uh, skip intro button. Could we have for Orange is the New Black a skip the Piper storyline button? <laughs> yeah, because she started out as the main character, you know, in the first season, because the series is based upon a book of the same name, Orange is the New Black, written by Popper Kerman. You know, it's uh, her year she spent in a women's prison, and it was the same one that Martha Stewart was in. Which is a whole thing with Judy King, which actually yeah. was pretty fun. It was pretty yeah, fun that was. That was. She is the least interesting character on the show. And it's not because she's a bad character. She's or a bad good actress. character. Yeah, she's a stellar actress. You know, she's an idealistic person. But there are just far more complex stories and layers to all these other characters that surround her. I just, I find literally every other character, I just find every other character to be way more entertaining and and interesting. Absolutely. Absolutely. (laughs) And I'm sorry, Alex, Alex, this whole thing, like, I had, I had a crush on her when she was on that 70s show. (laughs) Who did? Um... But, but but now it's it's uh, now I'm just like meh, <laughs> like I don't know. I mean, she's still attractive. Don't get me wrong, but uh, like this character just doesn't. I don't care. I just don't care. Like I, it, it's unfortunate for me to say that because I think both actresses are are really really good. I just feel like their writing sucks. So I don't know. I. I don't know I, if their writing sucks so much as the writing for everyone else is so good. I, but yeah, <laughs> it, it, it's season season six. Let's dive into it for a few minutes here, you know, because yeah, we I wonder, yeah, because we're we're getting we're getting a little long in the tooth. See, season six, you know, sees a lot of a departure of a lot of the castmates, the inmates from the previous seasons. Uh, at the end of season five, everybody's rounded up. Season six, there was this, in season five, there was this terrible guard played by a 
Brad William Hankey, who is just, I love him so much and everything he does, he is amazing. He was, he played the guard Piscatella, who was abusive and psychotic and had a personal vendetta against Kate Mulgrew's character, um, Galena Reznikov, aka Red. At the end of season five, he is physically torturing her. He is literally taking out a knife and he is scalping her. He's cutting off part of her flesh with her hair attached to it. He is physically torturing her. He is ready to kill her because she knows that he, uh, she, she just knew some information about his personal life and he was willing to kill to keep that protected. At the yeah. end of the season, you know, he lets, he lets, uh, he lets them go. He walks out into a riot team and the riot team panics and they kill him. And suddenly, you know, that that's where a lot of season six deals with. They've rounded up all the prisoners now. Somebody has got to take the fall for a dead guard. And the riot team, the SWAT team that was sent in, they're not going to do it. They're going to pin it on one of the inmates because who's going to believe an inmate over an officer of the law? And that's what a lot of season six deals with, the fallout from that. The investigative team put together by MCC to find out who is responsible, who's going to get life for this. Who's going to get additional time for this? So they want to set up a fall person for the death of the guard, and that person's getting life. They want to set up whoever they deem to be the riot organizers and give them 10 additional years under their sentences. Everybody else is just going to serve their time out in max. And these they're all interviewed separately, and some are offered deals, and some of them roll over on others and you're dealing with the fallout and the way this maximum prison is structured they've got three cell blocks they've got c block d block and b block and b block is referred to as florida because that's where the mentally unstable and the elderly and you know the they there it's not general population they it's like a retirement home for felons and then there's d block which is which one was D Block? That was the khakis, and uh, run by Carol. Yes. Run, run by Carol, and then there was B Block, uh, or C Block. The the blues ran by, um, Barb, and for some reason, for the past thirty years, these two blocks have been warring with with each other, and you know C Block is really nice comparatively, and you know, C block has to be mopped up by D block. And it's just like, oh, we hate them because they're them and we're better and we're going to take them out. And it was just all this big facilitated rivalry from an argument between these two sisters. Now, I'm going to fucking straight up say this, and this might be a little uh, controversy. The best part of season six was the two sisters. Oh, yeah. Oh, my God. Those two were raven nutbags. It was so entertaining to watch, though. Like, hey, I Mackenzie Phillips oh. was fascinating. The, the fact that, you know, here's an actress who was very prominent in the 70s and early 80s, uh, 
who struggled with drug addiction. And now she's, you know, clean. For her to go back and to immerse herself playing this raving, psychotic, nutbag, drug-addicted prisoner, she was fascinating in her role. She was great. One of the reasons that I thought that storyline was so good was because of the casting. Now, mm-hmm. as you said, the, the women who play those two roles, stellar. Mm-hmm. But never in my life, well, not never, but damn close to never in my life, have I ever seen casting of younger versions that was so fucking close, you could swear it was just a younger version of themselves. Oh, absolutely. And those two ladies did a phenomenal job, too. They were great actresses as well. Oh, yeah. Uh, And they really, really let the crazy shine through. They're like, let's show how mentally unstable we are. And and they they were like high school-age seniors, you know, roughly. And what they did, uh, for those who have not watched that, they killed their younger sister. They they couldn't stand their younger sister because the younger sister was a very talented gymnast and her family was like, she's going to be an Olympic gold medalist and we're going to, you know, move her to wherever she can have the best training. And the older sisters were tired of their lives being uprooted and not having any stability in their life. And they're like, let's just kill the kid. So they take her out to this remote spot in the winter at this frozen lake so she can release her pet tadpoles into the wild. And there for a minute, you really think the one's like, oh, she's had a change of heart. You're not so bad, kid. And then it was just all a ploy. They were just incredibly insane nut jobs who were like, let's kill this little bitch that's ruined our life. And then... By doing that, they got stability in their lives, all right, and the ironic twist, serving life in prison. Yeah. But yeah, they had a fantastic storyline. I really enjoyed that. They were great. The whole season, how some people's loyalties would change, like Morello, you know, she's just like, whoever's in charge, she's going to follow. She's a bandwagoner. She just is. Yeah. She is crazy. She's so funny, though. I love her character. Yeah, there's... There was a lot of threads and and storylines that were happening, but I thought one of the interesting ones, fascinating to me personally, was that a lot, a hefty chunk of the cast went to an entirely different prison. Yeah. So we didn't yeah. we didn't see them anymore. Yeah, or just see one quick glimpse of them, like a uh, what's her name that played Big Boo. Uh, her name escapes me yeah. momentarily. But she is, she's a great comedian, uh, you know, and she was gone. You know, a lot of people that you were fans of, you know, they're gone. You yep. know, there were only 10 people that stayed uh, inmate-wise. Yeah, Leah Delaria, that was her name. Um, but yeah, a lot, of, uh, a lot of the regulars were gone. And some of the other ones that were regulars, you know, they stepped up. And the whole Tasty storyline, Tasty, basically, they're saying she is the ride organizer. Her story she was my witnessed, fucking heart, man. Her storyline was the most heartbreaking thing because she is such a lovable character. And she's in there for a low-level drug offense. She was let out. She broke her probation and had to go back in. And that that's a terrible thing because 
what happened is that because she had this gun and she wanted justice for the death of her friend and she had a gun trained on this deranged inmate who was torturing in or deranged guard that was torturing inmate and they talked her down and then he was he still died they pinned it on her and she's like i'm not taking a deal i'm gonna fight this and you see joe caputo i love caputo's character oh my god yeah he is so good. He generally he's um he he cares. He cares about these these women that were in his care. He knows that she's innocent. He's doing everything in his power. And he stands by her and he's he's testifying on her behalf for her character and everything, doing everything he can. And when they read that verdict and they went silent and you couldn't that hear was, it. And oh so like you artistically see it was the, so um, brilliantly done emotionally powerful your heart breaks because you know they just gave her life for something yep. that she was not guilty of yep and it, it, it sucked so hard because i was rooting like I, I mean if you're if you're watching the show and you're not rooting for tasty you don't have a heart but this is this is an this is the reality of the situation that you know she was already an inmate and the jury's mm-hmm. going to look at that, and it's it's unfortunate. Mm-hmm. It's so fucking unfortunate. And then and then you and what's even worse is that now Pusey's Pusey's fucking her death meant nothing now, yeah. like literally. And and it's fucking it hurts. It like legitimately sucks and hurts. And I'm I can only hope, only hope that the next season has Joe Caputo fighting for her innocence. Yeah, yeah, uh, because he knows that one cop. He knows he lied. He knows. Right. Right. Uh, another thing that, the, you know, talking about current topical situations that this show does so well, and it's a very subtle thing that you don't see coming. Blanca, she was one of the Latino inmates. She, uh, her and her boyfriend, husband, their relationship, the way how he lights up when he sees her. She finds out she's getting early release. She's so happy. He's so happy. They're wanting to have a baby. They're wanting to start their life. MCC in the very end scenes, they're talking about, hey, we're opening up immigration detention centers. And that, you see you oh. see these people that are granted early release, and they're so happy because they're getting early release due to overcrowding. And you see, okay, you all come this way. You guys come this way. He's outside the prison waiting on her, and she goes through a door, and it's ICE agents. And she realizes, oh, no. That was heartbreaking. Oh, my yeah. God, that was terrible. I, 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 oh, my God, I felt so but, fucking bad, because... But, yeah. I mean, she, was, man, she, she really... I, she was one of the characters that I was watching in season, like, throughout the show, she has exponential a growth. lot a lot of growth because in the first season you just think she's crazy you hear her in the ba- the bathroom stalls and screaming and making crazy sounds and she comes out and she's you know hiding under this wild bush of hair and she's got these uh this unibrow and this crazy look and she is a stunningly beautiful actress by the way they really oh yeah really in that show went a long way to make her look unattractive but you find out she's got a cell phone that's hidden in there, and she's having phone sex with her husband. And that's why she's yelling out, 
Diablo and shit like that. Uh, uh, but you see, over time, she is just, she grows, uh, uh, and so many characters grow in the show, but she is one of the more enjoyable ones that have such great growth. It was yeah, heartbreaking so, to see that end for her at the end of the season. Yeah, it was... It's it, it, it's the the way the season ends was almost as heartbreaking as like Infinity War. We yeah, just it's like, very oh. very bittersweet because you see the end to this rivalry, this gang war between these two blocks. You see these two sisters meet their fate at the hands of each other. You see the one, the Badison. You see her; she's trying to be the big bad of the prison, the right hand man, so to speak. Yeah. They just do. They do a really good job at at showcasing that um, Piper. You know, she gets out of prison, and she she mm-hmm. like she full and gets out of prison. And then the woman who she, was with her, who was also getting a, an early release, she has to go back in prison because she's technically an illegal. Mm-hmm. And and the only reason Piper got out of prison is because one of the guards who was you know he wasn't a terrible person, but he starts dating Di's mom. She's on the outside and. She starts smuggling drugs in, but he was really upset when he found out, and he was going to end it with her, but then he realized she makes my life exciting, and I want that. Yeah. So he decides to help her, and then when Piper's like, oh, I found this, I want to get to the bottom of this, and I'll help you in any way, she's asking for protection. He manipulates the system and grants her early release because, you know, they're assigned ranks. And he's well, like, I was also, well, I was she's also gonna a top say that, prisoner. She's out. <laughs> I, well, yeah, I was also going to say that, like, one of the reasons to me that it was important to showcase at the exact same time what two people who are getting the exact same thing but have different outcomes. Mm-hmm. It was important to show that the white lady got out scot-free, but now the Mexican yes. lady has to, like... Yes. Uh, that's that's what I was getting at with that, was it, 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 it showed that in a heartbreaking way. So if you... Are honestly somebody who's like, oh, it's not that bad. You get to see it firsthand. You get to see that that's something firsthand that they, that, that Mexican people have to deal with. So it just, they do Absolutely. that a lot through the show too. Like they showcase how everyone has troubles. Everyone has mm-hmm. problems. You, you know, you as a, as, as a, oh, we're going to get cooking heavy handed with the, with the topics here, but as a white person, you know, uh, um, you will have trouble with rent. You might have trouble finding a job. You know, your your car sucks. You're constantly struggling with that stuff. But that's all you have. Imagine dealing with that stuff and having society treat you badly. like Because of your appearance. Because yeah. of things beyond your control. I, yeah. And that was the whole point. That was the whole point. Everybody just, like we've said, take a step back. Try to imagine yourself in another person's situations. Look at it from a different perspective. Just be a little nicer to everybody. Yep. You know? And eventually, over time, maybe maybe we can all be better. Who knows? But this season, I'm going to give this season an A+, man. It was phenomenally well done. Phenomenally well written. Wit in a completely different direction. You had some absolutely devastating, heartbreaking moments. You had some absolutely uplifting moments this show runs the gamut when it comes to those things this show is has consistently been one of the best written shows on netflix and it's a lot of people heap praise upon this show and everybody has different reasons for it but 
Praise is praise, and it's well-deserved. This show is absolutely one of the best shows you can check out on Netflix. Hands down. Do yourself a favor and get caught up if you haven't. My, my review is very close to that. I give it an A, not an A+, plus, though. The reason I don't give it an A+, plus is because I feel like there is a storyline that is very boring, very melancholy, and very vanilla, and I can't... Just, <laughs> Piper again, and Alex. Piper, Piper, Piper. <laughs> Anything that involves Piper is just like it's a snore fest, and and I like it's unfortunate because the actress is really good. The character, yeah, yeah. Taylor Schilling is is pretty amazing as an actress. Yeah, uh, but yeah. Other than that, the show's so fucking good. There's so many. I don't know why I said good like that. Like a like I'm fucking uh, that one. Uh, the Italian girl that I again can't remember name of. Um, Morello. Morello. Um. Anyway, hey, Natasha Leone. Oh, come on, she's amazing as Nikki Nichols too. No, oh, yeah, 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 absolutely. And I just, I, I just I, gotta I say, go ahead. I can't stress enough how how important and good this show is. I'm gonna say I can't help it, but I love this poor schmuck, Matt Peters as Loose Check. Oh my god, I love Loose Check so oh, yeah, much. Yeah. She is such a bumbling clusterfuck. So so funny, bag. funny side, and he knows it. <laughs> yeah, funny side thing here. My uh, my mom's been watching the show, yeah, and uh, sh- she's talking to me about like all this. She's in season three, and it's around the time that like Loose Check sells out uh, uh, Nikki, mm-hmm. sends her to Supermax, and mm-hmm. uh, my mom goes like, "He is a piece of shit. He is an awful person. How dare he do that?" I'm just like, "Yeah, yeah, well, don't worry and about the, it." The thing is, he knows. <laughs> he doesn't oh, yeah. try to shy away from it either. Oh yeah, he knows, but uh, he does such a good job in his role too. Uh, I mean, yeah, everybody absolutely. does. Absolutely. Like, like, um, like we've said, go watch it. You'll enjoy yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Don't don't skip out on the show because like I'm sitting there going like I don't like this one storyline. Like it's an A. Like it's a full on. That's anything that's above a, a B. You should definitely be checking out via our yeah. recommendation. Um, yeah, yeah, B or better. Yeah, definitely, it's good. You know, it's, we, yeah, it's it's just it's just a phenomenal show, and I'm very happy that we got to talk about it on here. Um, yeah, me too. But uh, but yeah, guys, you know what? I think it's gonna do it. We've we've yeah. we've had the show go on very very long. Yeah, um, yeah. So what, only... what I'm gonna what we're gonna do real <laughs> quick is is I'm gonna have Josh uh, run down our our website and stuff like that briefly, and then we're gonna do our own personal plugs, and then we're gonna end the show. So Josh, go ahead and go ahead and give that information out. Well, you know, you can find everything uh, at com. That is our hub for all of our content. Uh, I know I did say on the last episode, I promised I'd get the YouTube channel updated. Well, you know what? Some things happened. I did have to go to the ER. I do have a slight infection in my leg, but, you know, I'm on the mend from that. Uh, you know, the minor setback. So, hey, I haven't got to that, but I'm getting to it, and I've been very busy. You know, school started back and all that. But, yeah, my mistake. I'll get it, I promise. But everything else is updated on our website, allcueduppodcast.com. You can find a link to our Patreon page uh, where you can support us, you know, support the show directly. You can find a link to our Facebook discussion group, our Twitter uh, feed, our YouTube channel, our Instagram account, all the audio platforms we're available on, Podbean, iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, t- uh, 
you know, Spotify, Radio Public, our merchandise that we now have available direct to order. Everything is there. And you know what? There's even some stories on there, uh, on the blog post, some written reviews, all kinds of stuff. So go to allcuteuppodcast.com and check that out. And then come to our Facebook discussion group and let us know what you think about all the things we talked about today or past episodes. Yeah. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at ChubRockGeek. That's where I'm at. That's why I'm primarily. But if you'd like to follow me on Facebook or Instagram, same thing, ChubRockGeek. Uh, you can also follow uh, Mission Star Podcast on uh, Twitter and um youtube and twitch um on twitch we're specifically uh mission star p but that's where i'm currently streaming a lot lately because uh anthony's still in uh south california or southern california i'm taking control of the of the, of the twitch channel at the moment um but we've been actually getting quite a few uh responses from people giving us codes for me to stream games so that's been a heavy-handed thing um, I know, and that's awesome, dude. That's very cool. Uh, especially most recently, most recently you played Dead Cells, and that was that was cool to watch. It's a fun little game. Yeah, Dead Cells is a very yeah, it's it's very good. I recently got another game uh, that I've been playing a little of that I'll stream eventually here called uh, uh, Mother Gunship, mm. where it's also roguelike, where you go in and there's a room and a smaller room where there's a bunch of guns shooting at you in a bullet hell situation and you have to kill everything in order to unlock the next room but before you go to the next room there's a little shop quote unquote like it has a shopping cart on it mm -hmm. that's where you that's where the roguelike comes in is there's items that are random and when you kill enemies you get coins off so you can buy those things and keep upgrading the guns that you have uh, there's a lot to it that's that's really fun, and the game's kind of funny at the same time. So, but yeah, I'll be playing that eventually on the stream. But if you want to check that out, that's twitch.tv slash missionstartp. Awesome. Uh, go ahead and let them know where they can find you, Josh. Well, you know, I'm not just here. You know, me and you, we do this every other Friday. They can also find me on Twitter at nsabanur1976. That's E-N-S-A-B-A-H-N-U-R-1976. You can find me on Facebook under my regular name, Josh Fisher. Uh, I am a proud part, a proud member of the Realm of Collectors, and uh, actually on a couple of other podcasts. One is called Off the Runner. Uh, we've kind of been on a little bit of a hiatus, but I'm on a new show uh, with some friends of mine from the ROC, MPSP Theater on YouTube. Masterpiece Shitpiece Theater. And we're going live on YouTube on Friday nights at 9 p.m. Eastern. And uh, today, this recording releases. Uh, tonight, we're going to have a special guest on the show, and it's our second episode. And none other than Chub Rock Geek, a.k.a. Greg, from All Cued Up. So, that's exciting. We're excited to have him on. I'm excited to bring him into the fold and introduce him to the guys a lot of exciting things happen. We've had a heavy news week here at All Cued Up, you know, with uh, with uh, me doing the new podcast, you know, and the merchandise and the website updating and just everything that's been going on. We can't thank you guys enough for all the support you've shown us. And we just yeah, absolutely. Keep, keep giving back and, you know, growing our audience. And it's just a lot of fun stuff happening right now. So thanks to everybody. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but yeah, guys, you know what? I think that's going to do it here. Do it for us. Uh, you're gonna end it. This podcast. Oh, what are we is... watching? What are we watching for next episode? Oh Jesus! Thank you. Wow. <laughs> I don't have my I don't have my notes up at the moment because I was uh, uh, that's what was causing my Discord to act all weird. But 
Uh, for next week, we're gonna it's gonna be a little bit lighter, uh, but we're gonna watch a movie called Extinction that stars Michael Pena. Mm -hmm. uh, you might you might recognize him as um, uh, Paul Rudd or his sidekick in Ant Man, mm -hmm. one and two. He's the funny, fast talking guy that is friends with Paul Rudd's character Lane. from Prison. Scott Lang, thank yep. you. But yeah, the the film has to do with an alien invasion, I believe. So uh, I'm excited to watch that. Uh, but we're also going to check out, uh, which comes out on the 17th, Matt Groening's, Matt Groening's new animated fantasy-based show called Disenchanted. It'll probably have a similar sense of humor as, like, Futurama, but it's all in a fantasy setting. And it, it, it almost feels like, from what I heard from people talk about at Comic-Con, that the, that the show feels like almost a game. There's my life. The show very feels, feels very much like Matt Groening was playing D&D &D and decided to make a comedy out of it. So, That's not... Yeah, I'm excited to see that. Plus, Eric Andre is one of one of the main characters. Oh, cool! So that's neat. Um, well, that's yeah, what so, we've so got. It'll be yeah, it'll be a light week. It'll be a light week, but uh, or light a light watch situation. But that's fine because I have way too many games that I have to play, way too many little things I have to do, and uh, work should be starting up here soon for me. So there's a lot going on, and I'm happy to just have a light a light watch session. Yeah. And I'm just keep adding to my yeah. workload, you know, taking on another show and, you know, also my charity event coming up. Don't forget, tune in. Absolutely. Yeah, guys, uh, we're excited about everything going on and we love being able to share this with you. And we love the fact that, you know, you guys give us feedback and hit us up and let us know what's going on and what you think. And we appreciate it so much. But, yes, uh, thanks for sitting through a, a super long know, episode of the show. Yeah, this episode ran really long. Um, it was not the intention. No, happens. but at the same time, we did we did talk about four individual things and one yeah. thing that I watched a lot of. So, but yeah, we're gonna end it here, guys. Uh, thank you so much for listening. Thank you for getting to this point of the show. Remember to follow us on all the social media so you know when a new episode is up. But that's also every other Friday. Anyway, guys, thank you again, and we will see you next episode. Take care, everybody.